Hi, Claire. <laughs> hey, Charles. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, well, better than it was yesterday. So that's that's something. I'm also drinking a lot of whiskey right now, so everything's good everywhere. <laughs> I think that'll be appropriate for today. And welcome, everybody, to Experience, a Career Stories podcast. We're your hosts, Chelsea and Claire, and we're going to be talking about some of our experience, work and otherwise. Um, and today it's my turn, I think. It is. It's your turn after my epic, my my epic trauma reveal. The epic conclusion <laughs> to Western Pleasure Bareback champion three years in a row. Yes. If you'd like to have a Q&A with, with me and ask me anything, like an AMA, I guess, an evening with the uh, county Western Pleasure Bareback champion, uh, I think we should do that. And we'll like put something on Instagram. Maybe we can do like, yeah, an Instagram live. That would be... Good. Instagram live or just like write in questions you have. I'm, I'm done. I mean, yeah, let's just We can just, just post it. them in our stories. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, but moving on today where we discuss one of Claire's traumas because that's what we do now. Um, this is a career stories trauma podcast. Um, sometimes it's good. Although the one episode we did about happy things um, is our lowest rated episode. I know. Happy things aren't funny. <laughs> happy things aren't fun. I mean, okay, so we get it. I mean, I get it because as somebody who listens to true crime all the time, I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. listening to this, and yeah, they're doing some small talk right now, but we're going to talk about murder soon, so there's going to be some substance. Yeah. Um, I see you 80s kids. You're here for the trauma. You're you're ready for this. <laughs> yeah, we, we see you. We hear you. So we'll just go ahead and start revealing our horrible stories and secrets to you because while positivity is, uh, you know, demanded right now, so saith all of the home goods signs that you can get at any box store. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can live, laugh, and sob together if yeah, you like. I, I dig it. All right, your yeah. turn. What are we talking about? I didn't get a chance to like look at the notes. What are we talking about today? So, Chelsea, what do you know about food co-ops? Oh, boy. Um, what All I'll say about this, because now I know what you're talking about, is anything run by a board or committee has the massive potential to be a shit show. So, I think ding, that's where ding, you're going. Ding. Yep. (laughs) We're going to talk about my time at a food co-op in a small northwest suburb of Portland, Oregon. Yay! (laughs) So, um, timeline-wise, this was in 2013. Okay. Actually, 2012 to 2013. Mm -hmm. And, uh, let's see. It was... I just finished up with the bar Mm -hmm. and I was interested in doing something else but still in the downtown of this city because like you it's kind of our pet project our love our passion we love the community down there it was our home and it was our home yeah and I kind of looked at it as a challenge um I'm good with startups, and this I looked at as a startup Mm -hmm. because it needed so much work, and it needed a complete overhaul. Um, So this co-op was started by a couple people, I want to say it was like seven years before, 
Um, and of course they have a board, they have a president, they have members, they did voting. And I was approached about this position. I was recommended for it by a couple members, uh, that are awesome. Um, and you can bleep this out, but it was, Mm -hmm. they are awesome. And they were like, yeah, you should, we recommended you for this because we know you do good things and this needs some help. Like it needs some serious help. (laughs) Plus you just had an amazing reputation in the community for doing this exact thing, either starting something new and making it go or um, coming along and kind of helping something that was there and making it better. So like you were in the community's eyes as someone who is a spectator at this point, you were the logical option. You were young, you were energetic, you had good ideas. When everyone heard that you um, had been nominated, it was just like a resounding, well, of course, throughout the entire community. (laughs) So um, yeah. And there were a couple things that made me want to do this um, that like they were changing up board members to have more community members. Um, they weren't giving me carte blanche to do everything, but they said I had, basically they, they had me submit my ideas and said, we like your ideas. We want to move forward with you. Um, and I was initially approached by the president of the co-op and we met up near my house and had a slice of pizza and a beer and we talked about stuff. And, um, by the end of the conversation, he says, this sounds great. I'm going to go to the board. Um, we kind of talked salary a little bit. We talked um, because they didn't have a ton of money, but I was like, listen, if I know what I'm doing, uh, you guys are going to do well and I want to cut of the profits. So like if Good we hit you. over this sales amount every month, I want X amount of it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, we can do that. So um, what I hadn't realized was that the board was voting to um, dissolve the co-op because it wasn't making money. It wasn't able to sustain itself. They were looking at taking out a $20,000 loan from a couple members that were also board members who they had also taken a loan out when they first started. And um, so once I was brought on and like kind of faux hired, uh, they said, we want you to give a presentation of what you plan on doing to our board and to our members at this vote before we vote. And I was like, wait, that that wasn't part of the deal. (laughs) Yeah. Can you describe some (laughs) of these board members? Can you give me like a picture? Can you give me and the audience a picture of the age and the type of people that these people were? I know a lot of them were property owners in the downtown area. Over 70, retired with a lot of free time. And and family money. money. Mm -hmm. A lot of family money. And yes. And so they had their fingers in everything. And um, the board members that had loaned the money, they were a married couple. And they were on every single committee that the co-op had. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, But uh, just so I walk into this meeting (laughs) and there are about 85 people there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I did not know there were going to be that many, but because it was a vote to either continue or dissolve, apparently my presentation was what 
was going to, um, you know, be on the side of, hey, if we're moving forward, this is what we're going to do. I had 48 hours to prepare for that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, um, yeah, that was... That so you was had two days difficult. to prepare for a surprise presentation that was going to either make or break the existence of this co-op. So, and mind you, I had not had a look at the books, the uh, the current sales, or the history of the co-op. And um, I had to ask around and kind of do a walkthrough and put together a presentation based on that. Oh, wow. Um, so... The second part of this meeting was basically if the members voted to go ahead to also move forward with that loan that was kind of like mandatory in making my plan work. I could do a lot of little things that would help with the flow and traffic and increasing sales and merchandising, but we needed money for inventory. Mm-hmm. And um, so after the presentation, they sat down as a board and approved moving forward with that loan. So (laughs) I get to work. (laughs) Um, They voted to go ahead, obviously, because I was working there. And um, just to kind of give you an idea of this couple, too, like I'm going to talk about them a lot because they have a lot to do with how everything pans out. So they're going to need, and, they're going to need a pseudo last name. They're going to like, we're going to have to call them the, oops, like the, the what's. Uh, I think, let's see. I want to call them the Smiths just cause it's easy to remember or they're kind of smarmy. So how about the Smiths? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to call them the Smiths. Um, Mr. And Mrs. Smythe. Yep. So there are a couple in their late seventies. Uh, he had a business background, um, like multi-million dollar company running business background, um, which I also want to point out that this co-op was failing and they were the head of it and they were not running it like a business. <laughs> and it makes me really pissed off that they made money at all by the way they were running things here. Um, so anyways, and then she was the head of the accounting for the co-op. She was on that board. So when when everything was approved and everything moved forward, there was kind of a shakeup because other people got on the board. There were a lot of people in the neighborhood that um, ended up uh, getting on there. So um, there was a port commissioner that was on there um, that retired recently. There was um, a neighborhood uh, head of one of the downtown neighborhoods. There was another person who wrote a very, um, very funny anonymous blog Mm -hmm. uh, for a while. Yeah, Um, she was a little bit of a political watchdog, so she was um, very outspoken. (laughs) Yep. And then there were several other people as well. Um, And then there was also uh, somebody who took over the accounting department for Mrs. Smythe, um, who was their best friend. (laughs) And he had been a part of the co-op for a while. We'll call him um, Milton. Um, it just seems like an, an accountant's name mm-hmm. in the best way. Uh, so because they were so invested in this, they treated the co-op like their own personal market. Um, everything went through them. 
And the president and the volunteers didn't have, I mean, they had problems doing that. But at the same time, they were around 30000 in debt to them. So there wasn't a lot of like, well, we really don't want to do that happening. So back up a little bit. Let me just like, let me just catch everyone up. So you had been approved to be the person to bring back this struggling co-op. And because it had been struggling, a whole bunch of new community members or members of the community got onto the board that oversaw this co-op to help Mm -hmm. steer it in the right direction with you basically being the forefront. The manager. Yeah, you were the manager of this co-op. And so at this point, the board is in debt to the volunteers and their vendors. And, um, Mm -hmm. And obviously it's been struggling. So all eyes are on you to fix it. Yeah. And so the immediate things that I knew wouldn't cost any money that we could invest in was a lot of sweat equity things. So um, doing a better layout and design, better merchandising, window displays, community events and participation and outreach, uh, member drives, and then also having a social media account. This was 2012 and they had no presence. It was like peak Facebook time. And I remember it made such a big difference because as soon as you jumped in um, and that board member who had the blog was all about sharing the progress that you were showing on social media Mm -hmm. and you and I, for the audience to know, you and I were friends, but we hadn't really spoken to each other in years at this point because we just drifted apart. So I was down the road running my coffee shop and, um, but I'm seeing all of this playing out in the newspaper and, uh, like, I followed the co-op's social media account, and I was just yep. really excited to see what you were doing. And the window displays started popping up because it just been this sad little corner shop for a really long time that looked like it was on its last legs. People were always like, I don't even know how that's still open. But then you jumped yeah. in, and all of a sudden there's, like, festive window displays. Oh, gosh, I loved them. And then there was... Well, and that was, like, the big thing, too. Like, I didn't know it was a co-op. When you walked by, did you know it was a co-op? Had no idea. I thought it was just, like, a struggling, sad little market. Yeah, and because they had a uh, window bar at the front for people to sit at and drink free coffee that they gave away all day, and all the windows were plastered with posters for events for all this stuff mm-hmm. that was out of date and nobody checked on. And so, like, yeah, the easiest things to do were very simple and cost no money, just time. And uh, then I got into where I would want to spend the money. Uh, what I found out my first week there was that they had an active wine and beer license uh, that they weren't using. Oh, my they gosh. Any wine or beer. And I'm like, that's going to be 25% of your sales in one month's time. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that right now. <laughs> For people listening who don't, who aren't, who don't know business or aren't familiar with like running stuff in the service industry, you make your money off liquor. And if you have mm-hmm. a liquor license, if you have a beer and wine license, they're kind of hard to get sometimes. That can be a real political ploy. So the fact that they had yeah. that and they weren't utilizing it should be a huge red flag to anybody running a business to see what kind of dire straits they were in. They had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, looking at that and then expanding our purveyor list so we could diversify the shelves. Because, like, when you walked in there, it looked like a post-apocalyptic convenience store in a zombie movie. It honestly just looked like a front. 
It felt like yeah. a front. It oh, felt it like totally felt like a mob front. It just existed to launder money. Yeah. Um, although I will say the one thing I was super impressed about when I walked in there, their bulk section was incredible. <laughs> they had a great bulk section. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we the first thing I did was take out that window bar because people were just sitting there all day drinking free coffee and not buying anything. And also you couldn't see into the store. Um, and once the window space was clear and you could actually look into the store, I rotated all the aisles on an angle so you could see everything on the shelves and everything directed you to the produce department. And then all those posters and everything, I put a community bulletin board at the very, very back of the store so that you had to walk through all the aisles to get there. And so it was this automatic, automatic like, uh, just buy everything as you walk through kind of moment. And it made so much more sense. And just doing that increased sales. Um, so anyways, uh, that's kind of getting ahead of things. Let's go into my first like week of working there. Okay. <laughs> so before I came in, they did have managers there. They had two people that were sharing the job. Both of them were members. One was the original original founder of the co-op who was um I'll call her Sarah and then the other was a member who had been there since the beginning as well and was very passionate about it we'll call him Ben um so they wanted to sit down with me and like grab a beer and talk before my first day and so we came in uh to a brewery and sat down and you know, just kind of shot the ship for a little while. And they told me the direction they want to see the co-op go. And we were really on board with that. Like all three of us, we just, you know, we clicked. And uh, then they started spilling the tea about everything. Because you know, there's always some. There's got to be some. If there is a board, there is tea. Yep. They told me people to look out for, mainly the Smythes, and um, how inefficient everything ran, and how hard my job was going to be. And so I was like, well, thanks for that. I appreciate it. And, you know, it's great catching up and getting to know you two. And I look forward to working with you in the future, you know. So, okay. So when I showed up for my first day of work, both Saren and Ben were in the office area. And there were a few board members, one of which was the one who recruited me, the, the president. Um, so when I showed up for my first day... I was there with a few board members, including the president and then the Sarah and Ben, who I had just sat down and talked to the evening or two before, and they seemed really upset. And I walked in and um, there had obviously been a very like just intense conversation happening. Uh, Sarah kind of started in on me and letting me know that I didn't know what I was doing and I should have been more honest about things. What? I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and then Ben just kind of sat there upset and incredulous. And I had no fucking idea what was happening. This was my first day, mind you. <laughs> and I just had a great conversation with them. And it was so random and out of the blue. So here's the context of what I found out about it later. Sarah and Ben had been told that they would continue managing and have a place in the store along with a salary, and I was there to consult for six months. Oh, whoa. Turns out their pay had been cut to pay me, and they were asking to stay on to assist me with no pay as contributing members of the co-op. <gasps> yeah. 
they had found out that morning right before I walked in. And they thought it was my call. And the way the board talked about it, they made it sound like it was my call. So they stormed out. And, like, Ben ended up working with me in the long run because he's like, yeah, I could kind of see what happened there. But Sarah was pissed. And she's like, that's my last straw. Right? Yeah. So, uh, great first day. (laughs) Uh, You know that feeling of anxiety you get where you have butterflies in your stomach and your lungs feel like they're crushing you Mm -hmm. all day long simultaneously? Uh, That was me. It's like your innards (laughs) are in a pressure chamber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how I used to think that I liked guys. And then I realized that um, that's actually it's just crippling, crippling anxiety. anxiety. <laughs> so yep. I was really worried when I didn't get that with Robert. Instead, that feeling was replaced with like a feeling of like calmness and joy. And I'm like, fuck this. This isn't What butterfly. is this feeling? This isn't magic. This isn't going to work out. <laughs> I don't feel like shit. What's happening? Exactly. <laughs> So, um, the first week was me kind of getting a lay of the land, uh, and learning the operations. So they used a really dated grocery, um, POS system, which means point of sale. I know, but I always thought that not... was such a bad acronym because it stands for well, piece of shit. It definitely was a piece of shit system, but it did work and track inventory so I could use it. Um, the main issue I had was that the entire space, like I said, looked like a post-apocalyptic convenience store from a zombie movie. Yep. And I legit thought that maybe we could make money by leasing it out for a movie to film. <laughs> Let's turn this into an escape room. Just as yep. is. <laughs> exactly. Um, in the produce area, like when you whenever you go into a grocery store or a co-op like the the produce area is supposed to be the wow factor it's like look at this fresh bounty yeah it's supposed to be that the star shit, of the show it was so picked over and so like it it looked so tired of being freshened up <laughs> constantly so like the entire store was just kind of frustrating to walk into and but i left it that way for a week so i could see normal interactions everything um so, first week Hang down, Claire, second week happening. The paper shuffling is really loud in the mic, just so you know. Okay. Just a heads up. All right. I'm going to try and be more gentle. Um, okay. So, first thing I did, like I said, took out the window display, rearranged things, a lot of sweat equity, fun stuff. Um, and I painted the windows, which was a huge, like... Huge thing. So the that building only had a tiny, tiny sign at the top that's, that said food co-op. Yeah. <laughs> so I took almost our half block of windows and painted them all with bright, bold, colorful vegetables, cool kind of tattoo style designs that said the uh, co-op and fresh produce and all this stuff. And it all led to my display window that looked directly into the store and you could see the fresh produce and you could see people shopping. And it was just those things changed our business entirely. It was beautiful. It was a breath of fresh air. Like everyone walking by were like, oh, what's this? Like people who had never even noticed it before were like, this is wonderful. It was great. I remember this. So many people would walk in and be like, how long have you been here? Did you just open? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, kind of. <laughs> um, 
so now one thing that made having a grocery store in downtown difficult was the demographic. Right. So we have an incredibly below the poverty line population and then an incredibly wealthy population. Mm -hmm. And then the in-between population is kind of toward the outskirts of it. So having a variety of items available to cater to both groups was absolutely mandatory. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't have $10 pasta that is, you know, made by tiny grandmother hands with freshly ground flour and whatnot. You could, but you also had to have like the 10 for $10 pasta Mm -hmm. that's still sustainably sourced and, you know affordable to people who don't have the same budget yeah we also accepted ebt cards which was huge because so many times people wanted fresh produce and they wanted good stuff but you couldn't really find that at the larger stores um the closest thing was uh the stabby safeway up on main street oh that was the saddest Safeway. okay everyone has a stabby safeway story what's yours uh i remember it was a day that I, so it was also right across the street from the emergency, urgent care um, up there. So yeah. I remember um, getting ready to go into that stabby Safeway, and then all of a sudden I see this woman cut loose and run out of the, the urgent care thing all the way across the street, like through traffic, like there was almost a car accident <laughs> oh, God. in a hot pink nightgown and Uggs. She was probably in her yes. 50s, and she ran all the way from the urgent care all the way across the street, across the parking lot of the Stabby Safeway, and into the Stabby Safeway, where I immediately, like, I was just sitting in my car at this point. I hadn't even gotten out. <laughs> um, I just watched this happen. She runs into the Stabby Safeway, and then five seconds later, I hear, like, this deafening scream and I'm not sure if it was from her or from the people in the store but I just noped on out of there I was like nope and I didn't even go in didn't even need to go into the stabby Safeway. so that's mine so my favorite story there is uh I was in the beer aisle picking up a half rack of hams as you do when you want to play video games all night and not get drunk um And there was a guy that was definitely riding the meth train. Mm -hmm. And he grabbed a couple tall boys and just looked both ways, saw me, saw somebody who worked there, and then just shoved them in his pants and started sprinting for the door. But his pants were baggy. And so the the beer just fell down. (laughs) But the best part was it fell down and he kicked it and it hit the red box rental thing and flipped back and hit him in the head. Oh. And he just fell down. <laughs> just knocked out. Your story is better. It was the best attempted shoplifting <laughs> I've ever seen. So whenever I'm in the store in the beer aisle, I have this immediate like memory just grabbing two tall boys and wanting to shove them in my pants and make a run. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, the, the thing that, that makes me think of that stabby Safeway just immediately is, do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yes. Okay, for anyone who watches Brooklyn Nine-Nine, there's a 
like an episode where um, Captain Holt and Jake are in Florida in witness protection and they have to go to jail. Like they get arrested and go to jail and they're planning a jailbreak. And so they look at the people that are in the jail with them and they ask them what their talents are. And there's this one guy and he's like, my name's Tito. I do a lot of meth. <laughs> I just think of Tito. Like, I just think of the stabby Safeway whenever he says that. Like, that was a, that was a, yep, that's it. So moving on, there's my TV tangent. <laughs> I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine again, so it's applicable to me. Um, yeah. Anyways, sorry. Back to the podcast. You can cut that comment out. Um <laughs> And I have a cat. Okay, so one of the things that made restocking and inventory difficult was that there was a committee for new products. Oh, my God. Anytime new products were to be ordered, you had to submit your list to this committee, and they had to go through everything and see that they fit the ideals of the co-op. And guess who was head of this committee? The Smythe. Mrs. Smythe. There you go. So anytime I wanted to get a new pasta, a new soda, anything, it had to run through her in the committee. And then they would get back to me in a month for the next meeting and tell me whether they were approved or not before I could order them. And so let's say I found this really great gluten-free pasta that uh, was at a good price point And there were a lot of people who were celiacs or gluten sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got it and I submitted it to the committee and I put some on the shelves to kind of see how they sold. And they sold out immediately and everyone was asking for more. And she said, uh, (laughs) God, what was it? The answer she gave me was no. One of the owners is married to the daughter of a Monsanto rep. So it's a no. Oh, God, she would be tangled with Monsanto. Fuck those people. Well, so no, that was the company. It was like one of the owner's daughters, something or rather Monsanto. It's not that it was owned. Yeah. Oh, okay. So she just thought that that gluten-free pasta was a tie to Monsanto and didn't represent the ideals of values the of the co-op right okay even though there was literally no tie like to the company. as far as a business goes right. yeah they were a great company um so yeah that was really frustrating they approved maybe 10 percent of the items that i wanted to bring in including wines like if it wasn't organic sulfite free wine they didn't want it there if it wasn't a local beer company that was organic and whatnot i'm like this is not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's no. just not. You got to like, su- you got to like supplement that stuff. Every product exactly. can't be a saintly perfect product. You, you have yeah. to like have a range. Yep. And so I went to the board, which she was on and requested that I be given a little bit more free reign of the inventory as long as I followed a very basic set of outlines And she, of course, voted no, but I said it was crucial in order to raise daily sales, fill the shelves, and also make good on our loans. So they approved it. Okay. So that was like the doors had busted wide open and the whole co-op was my oyster. I was excited. Um, So then it starts to get more fun. (laughs) So I had department heads of each area and they were able to order more freely and stock the shelves. So for the first time in a long time, 
every single shelf was full. Our inventory went to a total of $8,000 worth of inventory in that entire grocery store to a little under $30,000 in inventory in about three months. And it was beautiful. So it was, I started shopping yeah, there it, then. Yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, we – and this also – was I loved this point in my life because I met one of the greatest people alive, uh, Kelly. Um, I hired her to run one of the departments, and she was the absolute best person to work with and have around, and we got super close, and she is just – she was the best person alive and always made coming into work super awesome. Um, And uh, so good things came out of the co-op. Kelly, (laughs) for everyone – who's listening, a lot of you knew her. And we're not changing her name because Kelly was Kelly and she was the most wonderful person. But we lost Kelly last year to cancer. So um, yep. I think that we'll dedicate this episode to her. It's all right with you, Claire. Uh, yes, absolutely. She... Um... She was a bright spot in many shitty things. And actually, when we were working there was the first she found out she was diagnosed with cancer. And um, so it was a lot of like we talked through a lot of stuff and um, just she is like just the most positive person you will ever be. Yeah. I mean, I know she had bad days, but she never let you know that because she was just so like you know, positivity and not in a toxic way, just in a very genuine, very real, Hey, this is life. And she has a great blog still that you can read through her whole process. And it's awesome. And we'll post about it. And Kelly and her wife got married in my coffee shop. Yes. Oh my God. Full circle. I love this. Yep. So, um, here's what happened at the end of four months. Uh, inventory, like I said, went up to just under $30,000 Daily sales went up from an average of 150 to 250 per day to um, 700 to $1,500 a day. Heck yes. Um, 25 to 30% of those sales were beer and wine. And then uh, our produce area was just so gorgeous. I'll post some pictures of before and afters because I totally took them. And it's just night and day. And I loved it. Um, and then the window display was bringing in tons of people as well. So mm-hmm. It's good. Let's talk about the incidents. (laughs) Okay. So I was still having run-ins with with the Smythes and, of course, Milton, the new accountant. Um, And they were just kind of coming up with things that would make my job more difficult because I think their end game was that they wanted to see me fail on this so that they could come in and be like, we told you so. Let's do things our way. They weren't looking for someone to save the co-op. They were looking for someone to blame the ultimate failure of it on. And you Mm -hmm. you upset that because it was going really well. Yeah. So um, this had nothing to do with them, but I thought it was a really funny story. And by funny, I mean infuriating. So I participated in the art walks that were happened every month downtown. And I would have different middle schools hang their art as like kind of a funny thing but really cute and I loved it they would fill the co-op with all these like cute crayon paintings 
And um, so that was our art show. And then I would usually sample out um, local goodies. Like, so for this particular one, I remember specifically because of what happened. Um, I had a peach Prosecco spread and a really good local goat cheese on crackers for people to try and then paired it with a nice sparkling wine. And so (laughs) this guy walks up to me and he had come in. He was a member at the co-op and he was aggressively vegan. And um, he always made comments about how there wasn't enough vegan stuff and you know me, like I cook vegetarian most of the time and I'm really good about cooking vegan as well. My mm-hmm. husband's vegetarian. Um, and there were lots of products. Wait a minute. Um, I don't know. This is pretty unbelievable. Are you telling me that you had to deal with an aggressive vegan? <laughs> Chelsea, you wouldn't believe it. Really? <laughs> I totally did. Yeah. I mean, I've never so, heard of that. I know. It's it's so out of the blue. So... <laughs> He comes up to the area, and here's the thing. This is the funny thing. I had a vegan cheese that I was sampling with it, too. And um, he's like, you don't even need that one. It's just, it's like you're raping goats for that. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) He's like, when you consume that, you've basically raped a goat for its milk. I was like, okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. You're welcome to put suggestions in our suggestion box if you have good alternatives. But Milk as isn't you can what see, happens after rape. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for, for that because truth. I mean. Uh, and also, it's great having a dude try and explain stuff to me like that. Um, so he's like, well, you're pregnant. How would you like it if somebody <gasps> forcefully milked you and consumed it? And I looked at him dead in the <laughs> eyes and I was like, first of all, I'm not pregnant. So thanks for that. Uh, second, you crossed the line and you're now no longer welcome here. We'll refund you your member fee, but you're out. <laughs> and he oh threw a holy shit fit. Like, just, you can't do that. And he complained to the board. Like, he sent letters every week until I left about me and how I overstepped. And I'm like, first of all, you don't, at, like, tell a woman she's pregnant until you see her holding a baby. Like, nowhere in our vocabulary and etiquette is it okay to assume someone's pregnant and it's even if they're showing even if they're giving birth in front of you do not say anything just wait until they're like oh I had a baby and you'd be congratulations I didn't even know like it's better to be safe than sorry um so anyways that was one of the instances I had to deal with that jag off um and then Something started happening that I thought was weird. So I would usually work early and leave like around four o'clock, but we were open until seven. Like we would have inventory come in. And then when I came in the next day, we would be almost sold out of it. I was like, that's weird. And so I started like ordering more of it. And um, again, it would just sell out. And I started Mm. checking our logs and there was none of it gone. And then I found the stash. So in the basement, Mrs. Smythe had been hoarding all these products she didn't think we should be selling downstairs, like hundreds of dollars in inventory that she had just been taking off the shelves. How did you know it was her? Because she was the only one who was volunteering in the evenings. Okay. And so also I had to keep her from working the register anymore because um, of several incidents that I had observed. Once I saw that this was happening, 
I started working with her in the evening and staying later. And so one of the things that we had was, like I said, we accepted EBT cards, which was great. Um, But she made several comments to parents who bought like, you know, the Justin's peanut butter cups or the Boom Chicka Pop popcorn Mm -hmm. and like the natural organic sodas we had. So they would buy those and use their EBT card. And she would be like, you know, there's healthier alternatives. You don't have to feed your children trash. Stop it and with the EBT shame. Oh, yeah. my God. And so, first of all, <laughs> fuck her. Fuck her. Second of all, the co-op was located directly next to a trauma counseling center for children, especially low-income children. Yeah, it was right and right next so door. Their parents would be taking them to therapy and getting them snacks at the co-op to get them through very traumatic therapy experiences. Right. And so, first of all, you have no right to tell a parent what they should or should not feed their kids because you aren't in their lives. You don't know what's going on. But second of all, like, just shame. Like, that is the absolute worst. Um, So anyways, I took her off the register and told her she couldn't interact with customers anymore. (laughs) I bet that went um, great. I bet that went over really well. So, yeah, as I started moving her out of operation, she started flexing a little bit on the board. And she wanted to exert more control. So um, what she did was started working on the accounting and decided that the accounting department needed to approve all purchases over $200, which is like every order. And... um, it put an immediate wrench on cash flow, so we weren't able to restock, and we weren't able to do large orders, and the shelves started emptying again. Um, I had to go to the board and explain why that wasn't going to work, and also, like, before this happened, I had put in an order with one of our farms that we get our meat from. It was, like, pasture-raised organic meat, but you had to put in an order for, like, $1,000 in order to get the discount we wanted and be able to sell it at a reasonable rate. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I had put that in beforehand, and when it came through, they were refusing to pay it because they hadn't approved it. And so we have this farmer sitting high and dry and this order that we needed And so I had to go in before the board and tell them what happened and why this thing had gone through without approval. And so I brought receipts of all of them. I had communicated via email, via uh, phone, everything. And I brought it forward and laid everything out. Milton, the accountant, didn't like it. And also the Smiths didn't like it because it showed that they were like purposely trying to go after me on this. And so they got upset and they were in front of the board saying all this stuff. And the port commissioner uh, board member, who's friends with all of them, says, you know what? We can look past this. Well, you know, Milton, sit down. It's okay. We gave Claire a good paddling and she'll be a good girl (gasps) from now on. Right, Claire? And I just looked and blinked. And looked around, and nobody was saying anything. Like, all the new board members that were there, nobody said a goddamn word. Burn it to the fucking ground. And I got up, and I said, yeah, it's going to be great now. And I just walked out of the meeting. And as I'm walking, like, down the street, one of the newer board members runs after me. 
and says, oh, I'm so sorry. That was totally inappropriate. Um, I can't believe they said that. Um, Are you okay? And I was like, if it was inappropriate, why didn't you say anything? You were in a position to say that was inappropriate. And instead, you watched them embarrass me. So, (laughs) no, I'm not okay with this. Um, And I I was totally humiliated. Like, as one is when you're, you know infantilized in front of a bunch of people and uh sexism is just the order of the day of course you are Um, i mean who what women among us haven't haven't experienced that i mean i have mm -hmm. i i know so many women so many write in so many write into us they're not ready to share their stories yet but they say you know like i had this experience with my male boss or with this older um board member or whatever it's this it's this demeaning, belittling publicly of women who are bringing rece- receipts and showing that they do the job, that they do it better than everyone else in that room, and they just cannot fucking handle it. So you have yep. to, they have to, I mean, it's like impossible for them to to say, good job. You did a better yep. job than we did. They cannot do it. So you have to make the person who has done your job exponentially better than you have feel and look small. And that shit has got to stop. I mean, in 2012, it still feels like forever ago. I feel like we've come a long way in how we would handle that situation. I feel like you would have handled that situation very differently today. Oh my God. Than you have then. But (laughs) you know, you have experienced it now. Like, that experience was horrible and unfair. But going through it, I think, helps build you up. That's not not me saying everyone should experience that. I want us to help build a world where where people don't experience that anymore. Well, and that's why we're here talking about our experience in order to put it out there and be like, hey, this is how I dealt with it and this is how I am now and how I deal with it now. Um, if it were now, I would say, oh, I'm so glad you said that because now I have you on record making uh, derogatory statements toward me, uh, sexism first off, and I would like to report you to the port as a commissioner for uh, verbally sexually harassing me. That's great. And demeaning That's great. you. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> we have you on I'm record ready. Uh, metaphorically talking about spanking me. Yeah, so um, let's take this to the voters, sir. Um, so anyways, uh, it went downhill from there. Uh, this was pretty... So I had signed up for a six-month stint, and I think I stayed there for four and a half months. Um, since the couple realized that they weren't going to be able to flex that much on me, and I was going to be able to move through without their input, they used the one thing that they knew they could. They pulled their funding. It turns out, while the loan was approved by the board, they had never actually deposited the money. Mm. And they kept making excuses for it and whatever. So I was enacting my plan under the assumption that that money was approved. It was there. It was working. It was fine. Not the case. We were making enough to pay our purveyors, but we weren't making enough to order new inventory. So again, the shelves were getting more and more bare. Our sales were dropping and people weren't coming in because we weren't having the stuff that we needed. Um, So at that point, I was done. 
I put in my notice and they started looking for a new manager. And that, Chelsea, is where I'd like you to talk about our meet cute, um, where we met up again. Well, I had just been thoroughly screwed by my business partner and had mm. exited my coffee shop and was pretty, yes, pretty, uh, you know, pissed off and um, what's jaded? That's the word I'm looking yes. for. I was pretty <laughs> jaded. And you and I... Had, 2012 was one of those jaded years, It too, was a jaded year, for sure. I was... Um, we were poking at each other on social media, um, mm-hmm. just kind of like, hey, how's it going? Just good job with what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Good <laughs> job, you know. And I made a post saying that I was ready to make a change, and Claire sent me the first message we'd had, and well, since social media was a thing, and said, hey, do you want to manage a co-op maybe? But (laughs) we need to have coffee because there's a lot of tea to spill, and I know that you're the kind of person that can handle something like this, so we should talk. And that was the beginning of everything else. Yep, exactly. Uh, So, yeah, we sat down, I think, in the office of the co-op because you came in and you were, like, super professional. And I was just like, all right, so what do you know about this? And um, you sat I down, did the thing. You sat crooked and talked straight, man. You had a cup exactly. of coffee ready for me. And it was just like we never stopped talking. Yep, pretty much. Since then, I think, uh, yeah, actually, we really haven't stopped talking. <laughs> no, we never stopped talking after that. It was like, first, we were professional at first, like the first five minutes. You're like, oh, here, have some coffee. And here's how this is going. And I'm like, great. And you're like, in, uh, in your shop. And I'm like, yeah. And then like five minutes went by and it just broke down. Like, I got totally fucking screwed. And you're like, I got totally fucking screwed. We need to not do what... Fuck all of this. We're we're done exactly. with all of this. Moving on. Let's just look beyond the coffee shop and the co-op and what can we do together? And that was it, man. We were like, fuck these yep. places. <laughs> yeah. It was... So... I think it was um, maybe six to seven months after that, uh, the co-op ended ended up closing, Mm -hmm. and it had it had gone for a while. But yeah, I mean, it was it was really frustrating. And I actually pulled up the the article about it to kind of read what their uh, their explanations. Yeah, their little public excuse in the newspaper. Yep. So. This is the president. Um, The co-op's mission of community building and providing access to real food has not changed. The board intends to explore how the co-op might work to serve community through food-related education, group buying, and other activities. While many businesses lose money at startup, the slow growth and inconsistent community support have challenged the assumptions of the business plan. The community always supported them. Yeah. They were not there. blame the community. Yeah. It's sad for us. It's also kind of typical of the cycles we've seen. Over the past year or so, the co-op's cries for help and press coverage have resulted in incredible upsurges in shopping interest, but those turned out to be temporary spikes, not a new normal. And then, hold on one sec. Try not to make noise with this paper. (laughs) What the store really needed was reliable community interest and steady sales of something like 30,000 per month. 
three of the months that I was there hit that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last four months have all brought in revenues of just about half of that. It's been stable, but it hasn't been enough. There's community interest, and then there are shoppers. And that's a Venn diagram that's not perfectly overlapped. And I just read this, and I was like, this is absolute bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I was so mad Man, you should have had that one board member who was the blogger. You should have just given her the biz. She would have... Yeah. She would have blasted it. She was there... Okay, so she was there, and she wasn't there. She missed a lot of meetings. Um, I think it was kind of one of those things that you put on your mm-hmm. political resume. Yeah. Oh, I'm on but this But don't actually participate in. And she was great for so many things, but this was not one of them. Mm-hmm. It was not something she should commit to or could enact. And so it was it was kind of frustrating. And I have nothing but love for her because she is a really funny and awesome human being. But it just, uh, there was a lot of help she could have done that she didn't. So what it is. So, yeah. And after that, I did some funny, funky jobs and then got married and uh, there's a lot more on from there, but uh, that is my time at a co-op. Well, I'm certainly glad that you um, heeded the port commissioner's uh, warning and you have, in fact, been a good little girl ever yep, since. From now on. From now on. No no little uppityness from me. I mean, you so. did get a good paddling. Yep. Jesus Truth. Christ. I'm so mad just saying this. I can't I can't even talk about it. <laughs> it's just I was 29 years old mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. And when you hear something like that, it's like you work really hard in your 20s, you build you know, relationships and careers and you act in a certain way and when you hear that it's like you're kicked back down to when you're 19 years old. That's the point. Yeah. That's the and point. it's ugh, it's so disgusting. And he came in like a couple days later and was like, "Yeah, I I heard you were offended by something I said and I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to offend you." And I'm like, "Well, what would your reaction be if somebody older than you said that to you?" It's like, "Well, I think I'm just from a different generation." And I'm like, "The generation that sexually harasses each other?" Yeah, and, and you he's live like, in well, this generation. You're living now." Yeah, he's like, "Well, I wouldn't call it that." And I'm like, "I would. I would call it that." <laughs> That's <laughs> not okay. So, yeah, I, I quit shortly after that. I turned in my notice, and it was really bittersweet because there were so many amazing volunteers that worked there that were just, like, I got a card when I left from a 13-year-old that volunteered there mm-hmm. um, as just after school time. She hated being around her family and hated <laughs> her school friends, and she's like, but I like this because I get to restock shelves and draw on stuff, and I'm like cool. Well, let's put you to work. I'll teach you stuff. And so I showed her how to merchandise and I showed her how to like clean produce. Right. And she loved it. She was down there at least once a week. And when I left, she gave me a card that I still have. That was like this long handwritten card about how much I affected things. And, you know, it was, she's like, I see everything that's going on. I see behind the scenes. You worked your ass off. (laughs) Like having a 13 year old say that to you is like, Oh, thank you. Well, if that's the next generation, like, you know, I'm really proud of them. Like, they do see what's going on. I'm on TikTok now, and the kids are okay, man. Like, 
Mm-hmm. I think that if you're over 30 and you don't have a mentor that's under 30, you need one. And I don't mean mentee. I don't mean someone that you're mentoring. I mean an under mm-hmm. 30 mentor for you to keep you abreast of, like, what is going on in the world. Yeah. So I have a couple, and they're very helpful. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, let's let's move on to brighter things, Chelsea. Um by the time this airs, you are going to be heading out to me for a month-long stay of recording and leaf peeping and cider donut eating. I could and... very well be on the plane right now as someone is <clears throat> listening. I could be on the plane. Oh, man. Robert I'm this so time. Robert's coming I with know. me this time. He's gonna. It's going to be his first trip out there, even though he's already, like, jumped on board with being okay with moving out there. I think he's just ready to move into the next phase of our lives, but... Yeah, yeah, so it's going to be Robert's first visit out to the Berkshire. I'm very excited. And yes. you have so many plans for us. I'm so excited. We have, let's see, a really, so so the third, the October 24th is my birthday and October 30th is Robert's birthday. And you, Claire, made, I've planned things. made awesome, like, plans all appropriately distanced, you know, but um, boy, I'm just telling you right now, like. I'm going to have to bring a big suitcase because I have to have the right outfit for every occasion. <laughs> Wardrobe changes. Yeah. There's the lounge wear. There's the shire attire. Yes. There's the formal wear. Yeah. Um, there is, there's going to be, yeah, I, I bought a dress for the formal wear, not, um, because I'm just, I've just gained so much weight in quarantine that I don't fit into any of my other dresses. Um, and there's going to be like outside stuff and of course there's going to be some remodeling going on because but of course not it's not hangout time with with claire and i unless we're stripping paint or demolishing something i might i might tackle the banister stripping the paint off the banister you've been picking at it for a year (laughs) yeah well okay you know why that happened though right i tripped on the landing and ran into it and knocked it loose and paint chipped down no, I didn't and know that's that. That's how it started. I think I would have I been a little more concerned. I almost fell down the stairs and the Newell post saved me. <laughs> so, and, and the paint chipped off and I'm like, oh, that's the original woodwork. Oh, I like that. <laughs> when I told that to my parents, they were more horrified than you are. So, um, I'm used to it at this point. I've seen you biff it <laughs> in a multitude of ways, especially with the wedding photography. Like you get into what you're shooting and you don't pay attention to where you're walking or whatever. And yep. Or, you know, you slip on a driveway and have ducks laugh at you. That, that happens too. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so yes, good things. We are going to be together at the end of October and then we're going to do some stuff together and, Uh, Maybe some cross-promotion with some of our other podcast friends. I'm really excited for that, actually. So we will start playing um, some trailers for some of our other favorite podcasts coming in. So Yeah, because, you know, big podcasts are awesome and everything, and we all love them. But they got big after they were small for a long time. And and that happened because they worked with each other. So we need to make our little podcast family, our little, it's like our little class, because, you know, like... The, the class that's really big right now is, like, the, the class of 2016, really. And um, mm-hmm. I think that we're a new class. So let's band together and, and, and get our messages out there. And we'll be starting that cross-promotion pretty soon now that we have a little bit of a handle on what we're doing now. That doesn't 
that's not me saying that we know what we're doing because fuck that we don't but um (laughs) oh on that note should we talk about marketing oh okay i can do that uh so if today's story resonated with you if you have an experience where you stood in front of a board of people older than you and they said that you had a good paddle in but you'd be a good girl from now on Please write in. Please share that story so that we can all want to burn things down together because that's what community (laughs) is made out of. You build things up and you burn down the old shit that's sexist and racist and horrible. That's community. (laughs) So write in at our website, which is experiencecareerstories.com. You can submit the form that's on the main page. You can also just send us an email at experiencecareerstories at gmail.com. And if you want to see pictures from this episode and other episodes and be part of a conversation and, uh, you know, more of an interactive community, you can find us on Instagram. That's our hub because Twitter's mean we don't like it. We're not brave enough for it yet. So um, find (laughs) us on Instagram at XP underscore show. You can send us messages on there. That's fine. Uh, Comment on the pictures or whatever. And um, while we're growing, because, you know, we we are still growing. This is brand new for us. This is episode, this will be episode like what, 15 or 16? Something like that. It's 15. I can't believe we've done 15 episodes. Oh, my gosh. This is really exciting. So, um, but we're still babies. We're still pod babies. Yep. Little, little, little baby pod babies. So, please, what would help us the most would be to like this and review it. And please, please, please just share it with someone that you know that might relate to it or might appreciate it. We all like new friends in quarantine. And um, we think of all of you guys as our friends because, especially at this point, you all are. <laughs> we probably know all of you. <laughs> or related to you or we worked with you (laughs) um i like addressing the audience like we don't know who who you are but we knew we we do we know who all of you are um (laughs) hey and uh we're working on merch too we Uh, are we're actually we're doing it we're making that step forward we're we're looking at mugs we're looking at pins stickers and what we're looking at stickers Oh, stickers. Just kidding. Stickers. I like the stickers. Well, no, I like the pen. Like, we're looking at all of it. And if you guys have ideas on what you would like, because you would be the ones receiving this merchandise and stuff, leave us notes. Leave us ideas. Because we're totally open. We have never done anything like this before. You're hearing about all of these weird experiences that we've had. But this one is a new one for us, too. And you get to experience it with us. Did you like that? (laughs) that's how you market right marketing (laughs) this is how we do it this is how you market i think i don't know how to market a podcast you're doing it more than i am i'm just like doing the spiel at the end of the podcast it's okay you can string words together and make sense whereas i'm one whiskey in at least and uh i'm gonna go try and drywall you Um, still have angry brows on like you've had them on for half of the show (laughs) i think claire needs to recover after i had to really recover after my my last episode like yeah it came out there was a so i didn't i didn't prepare for that one on purpose a lot because when you talk about things like that that happen to you in therapy or publicly on a podcast, um, first thing that happens is I get really tired after that happens. And then the second yeah. thing that happens is like I wake up the next day and I immediately have like 
sharer's regret like oh my god did I really just talk about that to people I don't know or publicly and Brene Brown talks about this too like with her first her first like big TED talk like did I really share with everybody that I had a breakdown (laughs) yeah um not that I'm comparing myself to Brene Brown in any way other than like regretting sharing something very deep and weird um but (laughs) then you know you expect the worst but if you surround yourself with the right people or you track the right people, really big good things come out it come out of it. And I think I want to end this podcast on a note using Claire's co-op story and my rodeo queen story and the fact that I finished Shit's Creek last night, which is amazing. <gasps> oh. And and the pandemic and with everything that is going on right now, I just I just want to end today with something some good thoughts. And for me, what those were over coffee, because in me and Claire's timeline, we just recorded that Rodeo Queen story. We just recorded that and moved on to this one um, within a couple days. Um, We have no idea what's coming at us in the future. And a lot of us are afraid of that because it hasn't been a great year. (laughs) That is such an understatement. I know what I was going to say, but... But in the middle of... The moment Claire was standing in front of a board explaining why the restrictions were holding that community back and being belittled by people who were intimidated by her. And the moment I was sleeping in a horse trailer outside because I was excluded from a group of girls who were liars and cheaters... We didn't know that in the future, those experiences were going to propel us forward and that they were going to help us make sure that that didn't happen for other people. We also got these amazing gifts out of each of these situations. If Claire didn't decide to leave the co-op or if that wasn't crumbling, she may have never sent me a message on social media asking to have coffee if I never wanted to be so many shenanigans might have been thwarted I know (laughs) if that did not happen if I didn't want to be a fair court queen I never would have met some of the most important people to me in my life now if we hadn't experienced the traumas that we did we would not be the people that we are we wouldn't be made out of what we're made out of and that doesn't make the traumas any easier to process, but it does give a perspective when you're able to to go to therapy and take these things out of it where it's like, okay, I have this in my life now. And this experience, though fucking horrifying, especially the rodeo <laughs> one, I have a tangible thing in front of me that gives me so much love and I can love and has brought me to a better life yeah we have friends and family we the co-op united you with Kelly one of the greatest artists of our community and one of the greatest souls that we know and she's the greatest of all time she's the greatest and we'll talk about Kelly in the future because she continues to be such a big part of our lives as 
as yeah. does her beautiful wife sam who i speak to mm-hmm. all the time and she is amazing these experiences are important they're not all gonna be good some of them are gonna be downright horrifying but what comes out of them is really a gamble and sometimes it's up to you and sometimes it's not but i will say right here right now looking at my best friend through a facetime window talking into a microphone in my bedroom during the middle of an unprecedented time in America while our our bullshit president fights COVID that was his own doing and while I'm unemployed and have run out of benefits and have been landscaping to make ends meet while I'm planning a trip to the Berkshires where my husband and I might move and change our lives where, where nothing is certain and it never was, but right now we're being so reminded of that. I wouldn't trade a single fucking moment of it to have what Same I have here. now. There's gotta be crying in this episode. <laughs> so I guess we'll all see what happens next. We're living this podcast in this time in real time with all of you, our friends people who relate to us, people who are listening to us and sharing us and reviewing our little our little pandemic cast and we'll share it with you and we promise to always be honest and take it one step at a time and to cherish good or bad every single experience. Absolutely. Chels, it's been a great podcast and uh, I'm glad I could share it with you. Um, I wouldn't share it with anyone else, Claire. Cheers to that. Cheers. Clink. Until next week, everyone, when Claire and I are together at last. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wear a damn mask. Hug people in your bubble because everyone needs a hug. And uh, send a message and ask to uh, have a virtual coffee with someone you haven't talked to in a while. You never know what it'll lead to. Cheers to that. Bye, guys. See you next week.